That's 1-800-747-3733. We now return to Tampa Bay's number one morning show, The Mike Calter Show. was a lost album that he actually recorded in like 91. Oh, and then oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah. So it has that sound. He said yeah. he wrote it for uh, riding on his uh, Harley. Steve Vai is one of the uh, most interesting, best guitar players you'll ever see. He just does things that, you know, he's not a Eddie Van Halen type player. He's a he's like a scientist when he's it comes a virtuoso, to guitar. He's yeah, definitely for virtuoso. Sure. Um, and he, uh, not great on being on time though. He was supposed to join us at 9 o'clock. I don't care, Spanish. When he calls, he calls. We'll we'll figure right. it out. I have a list of things. This is the best thing. People always say, "What's the best thing about your job?" I mean, yeah, we get to sit around and make fart jokes all morning, and it's funny. But uh, the best thing is that I have always wanted to ask people questions, and I have a list of things I've always wanted to ask Devi about, and now I have the opportunity. Yeah, you know, yeah. And sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I remember things the wrong way. This is something very interesting that I've learned from Devi, and I'll ask him about it. But he, I don't believe he does drugs or drinks or anything. I believe he's been, uh, which is really weird because you start with Frank Zappa, you would think, well, at least you're doing acid and all that stuff. But it's funny because Zappa didn't do any of that right. stuff. So uh, I believe he's, I believe he's a sober guy, and or just doesn't really do anything hardcore. He did say though that he would stay up for like two or three days and have sleep deprivation, and that would put him into a weird state a weird state almost, almost like what i assume it would be to be on mushrooms or something yeah your brain's releasing dmt right and you start to hallucinate and in fact i think he's on the hotline now if he is i'm gonna hold this up and, and ask him because it, uh it happened to me and i remembered thank god how'd your album come out well wasn't it wasn't as successful <laughs> yeah but, um it, it happened to me and i thank god i had read about steve Vai because i was hallucinating is he ready to go carmen Yes. Okay, let's go to the hotline and welcome to the show for the first time. This is Steve Vai. Steve, how are you, sir? Good, good. How you doing? Good. I was just telling a story. I, I read uh, a while ago, and I may not be right. You don't you do not do drugs? You don't drink? That was never part of your deal? Yeah, no, not really. I, I kind of slipped past a lot of that. <laughs> but I read that you would stay up uh, and deprive yourself of sleep before you would create music and it would cause you to hallucinate. Is that correct? 
<laughs> oh my goodness, I love these kind of rumors. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to discredit a rumor that good. But, uh, <laughs> sort of. There was, you know, there was a period of time that I went through where I was experimenting with lucid dreaming, but I, I was much younger. And when you do that, you know, they, you know, when you're a kid, you get into all these things. But uh, yeah, it was interesting. I got some results, but. <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny. The reason why I remember that is because it was a time when I was in college where I worked, went to school, and was interning at the radio station. I was literally getting no sleep. And I would drive home down this highway that had nothing but farmland on either side, but sometimes I would see buildings. And I would, and I, and had I not read, I was like, this is what it was divided. I'm, I'm seeing buildings. They're not even there. I thought I was going crazy. But I, I remembered reading that thing about you, and I was like, oh, that's why, because I'm not getting enough sleep. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, you'll see other things if you don't sleep, too. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the other amazing thing. Steve Vai, as much as you know him as a virtuoso guitar player and just an amazing scientist with a guitar, Steve Vai, beekeeper. That was when, when I read about that. I was How do you get into doing that? Yeah. Oh, well, it's, it's actually a great hobby. We had this, we moved into this big property that this kooky millionaire owned. Uh, before that, and he he never moved in, so the whole place was, you know, pretty pretty uh, messed up. And uh, I wanted to plant some you know fruit trees and stuff, and I did a little research, and I uh, found out that honeybees are excellent pollinators, and they make honey. Yeah, it's amazing. It was a, it's a great hobby, actually. It's just it's so funny. Quirky, but uh, <laughs> you you just certain people you look at and you're like that can't be true, and then you find out <laughs> Steve I is a successful honeymaker. Yeah. Uh, I, I was saying one of the best yeah. parts about this job is that I have all these questions I always wanted to ask, and, and I actually get the opportunity to ask. This was one of my one of my favorites. I'm a big uh, late-night television show fan, and I'm a big fan of Letterman, and you used to be on the late-night show, and you would sit in with the band, and I thought that that was so cool. And is it true that they asked you to be a part of that orchestra, the CBS orchestra, when Dave went to CBS? Actually, yeah. Paul... Paul asked me. It was very kind of him. We did this really great gig. It was a 10th anniversary uh, show, and it was at Radio City Music Hall at Bob Dylan and this incredible band. We had Doc Severinsen and Chrissy Hind, and uh, it was fabulous. And yeah, uh, but you know, I was touring. I wanted. I like being on the road. I like going out there and being on a stage and kind of doing my music. Dude, but, uh, it would have been a nice gig. Yeah, right? You just show up there for an hour every night. Yeah. Do you not like uh, being in a band form? Like, like uh, you could have easily been in a long-time band all these years, but your band has evolved. You've played with different players. Like, was, like, let's start with David Lee Roth. Was he notoriously hard to work with like we hear about? Because that band had you, Billy Sheehan, Greg Bissonette. Yeah. I mean, that was, like, you, like if you killers. said put together the best musicians... Yeah. And the best front man. <laughs> that should have been the biggest band in the world. And we love, we love that album. We we play it all the time. We talk about it. Oh, but you. but clearly, you didn't want to stay in that. You could have done that forever. Yeah, you know, I love that music. And and Dave, you know, when you go into a situation like that, and you're working with, uh, you know, uh, somebody uh, that's got that kind of energy and that kind of vibe, you you got to know going into it. You, you know, you got to yeah. make it work. Right. So Dave and I actually got on great. You know, we got on great. We we're kind of like even friends. Uh, but uh, it was it was it was a blast to work for him. I mean, back then, those days in the eighties, yeah, Dave Roth. <laughs> I, I mean, nobody would have expected 
him to have the success that he had without Eddie Van Halen. Then all of a sudden comes this guy that some people didn't know and some people did know. And it was what you were like, holy cow, there's another one out there. There's another guy who could play guitar like that. And, and, and the whole world. And then they were, and that Yankee Rose, I mean, all that music was so good. You were like, this could be the next band. And then, and then I followed you over the years. I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name, but there was another band that I saw you in South Florida when you had that kid with like the Mohawk singing. Um, and that was a great album. Oh, but, that was Devin Townsend. Yeah, that was a great album. And to see you guys in a club back then, that was amazing. And, uh, and, but it just seems like you, like you just keep navigating from band. I mean, even being in Whitesnake was a surprise for me when we saw you pop up in Whitesnake. Yeah. Well, you know what I think it was when I was a teenager in the seventies, I, I cut my teeth on all this, you know, uh, all that great classic rock of the seventies. Like I was a, a total Zeppelin head and yeah. queen Sabbath. Kiss, you know, Aerosmith. And then, but then on the other side, I was listening to very contemporary classical music. And my brain kind of mixes that stuff up for my solo work. But I still um, just have that, you know, when you play rock music on stage, it, it can get under your skin. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just such a great feeling. So all those rock bands I was with, they I, I felt like I fit them pretty well. I mean, when you join, you know, the, something like uh, joining Dave Roth, you're, I know that my guitar is sort of uh, now the, you know, the thing behind the voice yeah. of Dave that used to be, most people were used to hearing Edward, but uh, he, Edward was, uh, you know, the unique monolith that he was. And I, you know, I just went into it thinking, okay, I just got to do the best I can do here. And we- it just worked out great. We just played uh, the cut "Let's Jam" off your new album, and uh, and I said to I said to Galvin, I said, "This is this is to me, this is good music. This is before people started whining about their parents and songs. This is where music was happy and fun." And Galvin said, "It's because it was an album that you'd written a while ago." And then what'd you do? You go back and remaster it, or how did you? How did it come about? Well, I was when I was young, I was always into motorcycle culture and Harley's and. when I got older, I was finally able to afford one. And I kind of started hanging with uh, friends of mine that were into the the whole biker culture thing. And, you know, there's such an, uh, a culture there. You know, guys yeah. that uh, motorcycle enthusiasts, you know, they, they talk about the freedom of, of being in the wind. And it, it really is uh, a nice, uh, uplifting kind of a uh, vibe when you're on a bike. It's just this feeling of freedom. And I was hanging out with, you know, all these bikers, and I have this one friend, John Sombrato, and this guy's like a East Coast, you know, New York Italian biker, hard ass, and he had this very interesting uh, past. He, when he was 21, he climbed these high tension wires, and he was he actually the electricity arced and went through his body, and he fell 30 feet onto a barbed wire fence and caught fire. Oh. And the guy survived. Yeah, he survived. And he came, and he moved out to California. And we were really good friends. We had a whole group of people. We started riding. And I noticed that the music we were listening to wasn't exactly what I wanted, you know. So I thought it was one of those things I just stopped everything I was doing. This is 1990 or 91. And uh, I just wrote this record. Straight ahead, rock and roll, kind of like the music I always wanted to listen to 
when riding bikes. Right. And I, I bashed it out in like a week, you know. And I didn't know that John could sing. And he had his nickname was Gash because <laughs> his body was all gashed up. He's like 60% of his body is all gashed. But this guy was so interesting. He had all the DNA of a rock of a real kind of extroverted rock star lead singer, you know, and just funny and, and crazy and unpredictable and daring. And, uh, I, I didn't even realize he could sing, but I could hear something in his voice. So I had this record and I didn't have any uh, vocals for it. I tried singing and it was an abysmal disaster. (laughs) I don't have a problem with the voice. And I get Gash in there, and he starts singing, and I just couldn't believe it. He really had all of the elements in place. And, uh, you know, we recorded this, and we had this record to listen to. I wasn't actually planning on releasing it. It was just kind of for us, you know, so straight ahead, so rock and roll and uplifting and just had all these things that we loved in it. And then um, I was doing the Sex and Religion with uh, Devin. That's that you saw with the Mohawk, a brilliant, brilliant artist. So I went and did that, and I was going to return to the Gash Project and write a few more songs, because I only had like eight songs. One of them I had written with uh, Nikki Six, uh, New Generation. But then, uh, oh, tragically, Gash was killed in a motorcycle accident. Oh, gee, gee the guy and falls on a fence so- and catches fire, and he lives, and he dies from a motorcycle accident. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, right? And uh, I was so, you know, disheartened that I just uh, put the whole project on the shelf for 30 years. And I've al- I always wanted to kind of take it out and mix it and release it. And finally, I felt it was the right time. And I had uh, Mike Frazier mix it, and it's exactly the way it was 30 years ago. Well, and it's, it's, it sounds it's, great. Thank you. And that song, Let's Jam, is uh, sort of an ode to uh, radio DJs. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take it. (laughs) Uh, The album is is called Gash. uh, uh, Best place, what's best for artists to tell people to go get the music? You buy it, Spotify, what what do you, I mean, does it even matter to you guys anymore? Oh, yeah, it'll be be available on all formats, and it comes out Friday. Well, make sure you check it out. We've been playing uh, Let's Jam, and we were checking out the other cuts during the break. It's great stuff. There's a lot of people in this area who are still dig that kind of era of music, and I, I'm sure you'll uh, you'll appreciate it if you haven't heard it. And will you go out? You know, like I know you do solo stuff. Will you go out and tour? I mean, I obviously you can't have Gash tour with you, but will you go out and do any more touring band wise? Oh yeah, matter of fact, uh, last year, a year ago, exactly, I released uh, my last. Uh, instrumental guitar record and it's called inviolate we did an amazing european tour and an american tour and now we're going out in march and i'll be i'll be out literally from march till next christmas doing the rest of the world and doing wow. america again yeah it's it's great i'll be well, out <laughs> well good i'm glad we enjoy watching you somehow and if anybody hasn't seen it that video of you playing the triple neck guitar that has the bass on the bottom is just as a bass player it makes me never uh-huh. want to touch my guitar ever again that <laughs> you're referring to Teeth of the Hydra, with the, yeah. where I'm playing the Hydra guitar. Yeah, it's pretty wacky. Yeah, this guy was playing, everybody was playing uh, six strings, he's playing seven, now he's playing three necks. Steve Vai, pleasure to talk to you. The album is Gash. Go check it out online and everywhere else. It comes out on Friday. Great to have you on, my man. Really great. Thank you, guys. Have Thank you, day. buddy. See ya.
Spanish. Do we know, were we in his first interview? I, I think so. they're all downhill after. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like when I talk to these people, and I know I only have 15 minutes, I got to rush through everything because I'm such a more conversational guy than a guy, but I had to rush through it all. For the, I'm going to talk about this now. For those of you who are going to email me a thousand times today, we just didn't have time to get to it. Steve Vai uh, had his guitar, the guitar that he used in the David Lee Roth Yankee Rose video. He had uh, lost it or it was stolen from the him. The Swiss cheese guitar, yeah. yeah. And uh, recently somebody bought a house and they found that guitar in the attic. They realized that that guitar couldn't just belong. It had seven strings on it. It uh, couldn't just belong to somebody. You know, it had the, the hand that was cut out, the hand which you can like hold it. And they did some research, found out it was Steve Vai's guitar, and were able to get it back to Steve Vai. It's one of those amazing, I lost my guitar and got it back. You hear about that from, uh, I think, um, Santana did that. Uh, and I think Slash ended up buying his guitar or somebody and tried to give it back to him. And he said, nope, keep it at yours. Now, you know, those sort of things. They're great stories about musicians who lost their signature guitar and then years later get them back or somebody else famous bought it. Anyway, I know about the story. I just didn't have time to ask about it because it is a pretty amazing story. I also wanted so badly for you, Galvin, to do your Jack Butler line, but I forgot to ask uh, you about that. Too. I was going to say, because that's the first time I saw Steve Vai was actually not in the movie. It was on Siskel and Ebert. They were reviewing the movie Crossroads, Yeah, uh, not the Britney Spears one, the one <laughs> with, uh, what's his name? Uh, the karate uh, karate karate Machio, yeah. Yeah, Machio. Uh, which is a great movie, and uh, they go and have a battle down in hell, and he has to play guitar against a big old white boy, go by the name of Jack Butler. <laughs> that's who uh, Steve Vai, and I think Steve Vai was like 24 years old yeah. in there or something. That was the first time I saw him, and my brother Jeff, who was a guitarist, I go, you got to see this guy. He looks like the devil, and he was playing a flame guitar and all that stuff. He did, was, He does have a very oh, um, yeah. snake-like face. like He looks like a cobra. Yeah. You know, he had big hair, and he looks He looks like evil. he would play guitar for the devil. Yeah, right, right. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I, I tell you, he really is, if you're a guitar fan, he is just such an amazing guitar to, to listen to. He it's he has that sound where when you hear it, you're like, oh, that's Steve I. Yeah. And uh, I didn't really know of him until the mid-90s. And I remember being in a dorm room and the White Snake video came on and some girl was like, why is Steve I in White Snake? And I'm like, who's Steve I? Like, what is the deal? Big deal. You know, I didn't know who the members of White Snake were besides David Coverdale. And uh, he wrote this album while he was in White Snake. That's mm. the same year as he said he wrote it in 91. That was the same time. After uh, seeing him in Crossroads, uh, we went out and got his first uh, solo album, uh, Flexible, yeah. which talk about uh, sleep deprived. Listen to that Little Green Men and all mm. the different stuff. It's very Zappa-esque because he played with Zappa for so long. It's got so much weird stuff, but it's a great album. He um, So there used to be a music store called Paragon Music on Hillsborough Avenue. I think that was what it was. I, might, I hope I'm not getting it wrong. Because there were two big music stores on Hillsborough. One was over uh, past the highway and one was the other way. I think it was Paragon. And Paragon did this thing where they had like a, they brought in, it was Steve Vai was there. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Steve Vai was there. Red Beach was there from Winger. Oh, wow. yeah. But Red Beach also had that seven string guitar. And he was showing, he said Steve Vai gave it to him. And he was showing why uh, it was there and what notes you can hit with it. And he was demonstrating. But Steve Vai was there. Uh, Will Lee and Anton Fig from uh, Letterman. Letterman's band yeah. were there. There were a bunch of jazz musicians there and a lot of local musicians. There were some other famous people I just can't remember. And then they all jammed together at the end on a stage. Outside. They were inside doing clinics, and then they all jammed together outside on a nice. stage. It was great. Nobody does like that stuff like that nah. anymore. I mean, you'd never... 
I remember me and Moose when we spent the day there, just hanging out and looking at all, watching all these guys. But I mean, you could see a guitarist that you like in a band sit there in a in a small thing with ten people around, just jamming, showing other musicians how he catches notes and stuff. It was a really good time. Uh, All right, well there you go, Steve Vai. The album is called Gash, and uh, we dig it. We were listening to it in the the break. It's good stuff. We'll take a quick break. It's the Mike Calder Show. This is one hundred two five The Bone. You're listening to Tampa Bay's most listened to morning show. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. 